Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Hello and welcome to HivriaCast episode, oh my gosh, this happens every beginning of the episode just so you know enough. I uh, don't know which episode number we're on, but... I thought it was going to be an auspicious Jewish number. <laughs> it might be. We actually let's are a, pretty close to 36. Let's assume. Should we take Pop. a moment and look it up? No. No. Can't. Let's just say it's 36. <laughs> say it's 36. Okay. This is, episode the age 36. Of, this is the age of facts, right? Maybe I'll just say that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll just say that like for each episode. Episode 36. Episode 18. No, no. No? I'm 36. You're, 30, okay, you're yeah, 36. Yeah. Even when we get to 36. And I'm it's not, not sharing. Here. Got it. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Good to be here. Yeah, usually I introduce a person first. You came in. It's cool. So we can we'll, start over. We it's just... freewheeling. No, this is yeah, great. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very excited to welcome Naftali Hanau um, of Grow and Behold. And I'm actually, for a million reasons, I'm excited to have you, besides the fact that uh, I love you and care about you. Um, I'm also excited because we are a creativity podcast and we have a business guy on and I love that. Yeah, it's uh it's funny. I mean, sometimes I get super creative and I, mm-hmm. you know, add numbers together. <laughs> um, no, no, it's true. It's, oh, it's, yeah. You got no, you got to be you actually do have to be creative to run a business. So I'm excited that, yeah. you know, that um that you are open-minded that way and that we can have some fun today. Yeah, no. I mean, I actually think it's really important that people understand that. I feel like m- most people when they think of creativity, when you say creativity, you know, they think of art or, you, you know, and I you think, people, you mean you people, yeah. <laughs> yes, you people, you people oh, the artsy boy. types, you know, <laughs> no. exactly. I actually remember once I told my, I might've said this on here before, I'm not sure, but I told my father, um, something like, it was like I was young, I was in high school or something. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just different than you. Like, cause he's an <laughs> electrical engineering professor. And I was like, you know, you're logical and I'm creative. And he was like, he's like, and I remember I was actually shocked at how, he kind of took offense to that. And he was like, do you think I don't use creativity in my work? And he was like really um, surprised. I think he was surprised that I said that. And then it's know, so it's, it's totally different though, because like, I'm not, right. I, 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 I'm not an artist. I am. I, I did photography, you know, like that was probably the art that most spoke to me. But even right. that there's like photographers are often different than other visual artists. I feel like, cause you're for sure you're yeah. capturing what's there and the light yeah. instead of necessarily totally creating something. Mm-hmm. Um, not to denigrate the photographers, send a, a lot of the letters, please not me. Photographers. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, but I talk about creativity a lot with my, with my crew. Cause it's all about pro- really? problem solving, uh-huh. you know, um, I'm in a, I'm in a, you know, I'm in the meat business. I sell kosher meat. It's all, it's all about, you know, you'd think it's a rigid business, logistics, deadlines, this and that. Mm. And, and it is. So you often get rigid people, early morning people. Mm. Are you familiar with those people? No. Yeah. I so mean, they, I don't see them because I'm not Exactly. Well, in fact, so, so there are people who wake <laughs> up at 5 a.m. every day, some even earlier. Yeah. And that's when I go to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's so weird. So there, there are those such people, and often they are not what you'd think of as the creative types, but they'll mm-hmm. work, say, in logistics. They love systems and order. Mm-hmm. Generally a great thing in a business until there's like, you know, a snowstorm two weeks before Pesach. Right. And being rigid ain't going to help you. You know, you got to be creative. What can we do? How are we still going to get the orders out? How can we change the way we, like, how does a business, a logistics business thrive? Routine. You do the same thing every time. You have routine so that, you know, you don't need highly skilled labor. You can specialize, all this stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, when 
you know, stuff hits the fan. You got to be creative. You got to change things up and you have to have them. I always call it mental agility. Mm. So I tell my guys, so you got to be mentally flexible. Mm-hmm. You can't be stuck. And if we just do things the way we always do them, we're going to fail. Wow. That's really cool. I, I guess that's so interesting. So for you, you tend to look at creativity as like something like a problem solving thing. Well, I mean, I think that's one side of it. Like I okay. really do. I really do feel like that does take creativity. Right. No, for sure. Um, for sure. But I, no, and I, you know. It's interesting. I guess the thing that you're describing there is it's a problem solving in a specific kind of problem where it's like something that you haven't experienced before or is outside of the norm or is like it's it's it's, it's, it's pattern breaking. It's being it, right. it's it's, right. it's 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 knowing how how and when to break a pattern. Right. That's interesting. You know, because for the greater good or for the ultimate goal, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you get in these situations where like, I mean, we, we see this with the butchers, you know, like if we're trying a new cut, like there's other, there's other creativity. I want to talk about like new mm-hmm. cuts and new recipes and stuff. Cause that's actually probably more traditional creativity, whatever. <laughs> but well, uh, why, don't you, why don't you say really quickly what you guys well, are for anyone? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> we got right into it. Yeah, we got into um, it. it Grow and Behold Foods, <laughs> yeah. kosher pastured meats. Um, we sell beef, chicken, turkey, lamb, duck, roast veal, animals raised outdoors, no antibiotics, no hormones, raised on pasture, happy animals, happy workers, happy everybody, happy customers. Um, we ship nationwide, deliver all over the New York area. Um, it's the best meat around. You'll love it. Uh, call us at 888-790-5781. Well, and you're really taking advantage of this time. <laughs> right? That was that was like a 30 second spiel. I think that was good. That was great. That I was often a... stutter. I get mixed up. I, I nailed that. It's just so funny because we, you know, when we have artists come in, they're usually like describing. You know, we can go on for like 20 minutes just describing what exactly they're doing. You're just like, I sell meat. I that's what I, no, that, <laughs> I do. Lots great. of things. Fundamentally, I sell meat. I got to make a living. So that's that's the core. Love it. Sell, 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 baby. <laughs> It's also uh, funny because I usually have to I, I have to remind them to to plug themselves at the end and you're just ready to go. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I've I, I I've learned. It. We've been around like we're we're in our eighth year. So right. I've, I've I've learned that if you don't, you know, get get in the website, get the phone <laughs> number in. I didn't get the business hours in. This is great. N- nine to eight, nine to eight on the phones. Don't call anytime. That's so funny. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like when mm. I'm around uh like uh, when, when, yeah, like it's interesting when you describe the things that like, um, your employees have to adjust to, like when it comes to creativity, it's like for us, it's like we like in every world where, you know, like all our leaders are creative and stuff, we have to adjust the other way. Like where we're, and, or, and Can actually somebody have, please make a schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did anybody book the room? <laughs> the party's happening. Did anybody book it? Right, exactly. That's what's so funny. I've actually had to like start exploring and trying to find people that like because we started from like the philosophy of like everyone's gonna be a writer. So we can't actually do that as we grow. Like we need to start having people that aren't writers so that we can not just all be the same kind of person. And, <laughs> you know? and somebody's gotta actually run the website, right? Exactly. Yeah. <coughs> um so, anyway, what were you saying before you so, did your awesome spiel? Was- oh, so no, so I was like, I, you know, I was all ready to, for us to talk about how, like, you know, this non-traditional creativity, right, and like yeah. just you know breaking the pattern. But then I realized that, like, in fact, there is a part of my job that is that is more traditionally. Cre- I mean, what's traditionally creative? But um, yeah. you know, it's the cooking part. Like that's yeah. actually is incredibly creative, and you know, Interesting. I don't have the creative 
uh, vocabulary, like the artist's vocabulary. I'm sure this is the word for like the kind of stuff that gets your muse going, right? I, I feel like you just said it. Iterative, iterative. <laughs> I want to say, I, I, right? I want to say iterative, but I don't even know what that. It's not that. Oh, that's that's like business talk. That's yeah, exactly. Startup talk. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I want I want a term. Um, you mean no. so you mean like what do you mean by like when we you say develop that, a new product? I sell yeah. I sell sausages, but did I mention I sell sausages? No, just kidding. Um, but no, we sell eight, eight, the, eight. <laughs> Delivery nationwide. <laughs> uh, no, so we sell sausages. So I like right. I develop new products. This is actually this is the time of year where I always get to work on that stuff. After Pesach, we have like a couple of months for yeah. just not just getting ready for the next holiday because we have like till Rosh Hashanah basically. So till Tish above, it can be you know during the summer we have a window for new product launches. So like there's two kinds of kind of creative approaches I get to take. One is like new cuts of meat, right? What are what are for, and there's very few new cuts of meat mm. because meat is not really a new thing, but you can cut it kind of creatively, but it's like, you know, you find a cut that somebody makes, but that nobody's really figured out the best way to utilize or the best way to cook something like because of the, like, all the muscles on a steer are different. Something mm. from the shoulder tastes different from something two muscles over and totally different from something in the chuck. Mm. So what is the right, like, or, you know, a special burger blend, which cuts do you put in your burger blend? That's actually creative. That's about, the flavor of the chuck, the flavor of the brisket, the flavor of the short rib, the right amount of fat, you know. This is fascinating. Um, but it's also this sausages, right? Yeah. So we just made, we made uh -huh. a lamb, we made, you know, we got our lamb merguez back into production today because it's not, I mean, it is Pesach dick, but like there's 14 spices in it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard to get all those spices kosher for Pesach. But like, that was a totally creative process for me. I, um you know, tested the recipes, mm. you know, tasting, adjusting, you know, it, and that actually, you know, because I forget about that because I don't get to do it all that often necessarily or, you know, depending on just what's going on operationally mm -hmm. or what I'm doing on any given day. Like I'm not, I'm not developing, I wish I was developing recipes all the time. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> but, um, and cooking, like even that just cooking is creative, right? Like I don't use recipes too often or even if mm -hmm. I, even if I, you know, find a recipe, I very rarely follow a recipe unless it's a either like a technique or a dish that I've never cooked like that before. But mm -hmm. like then I'll use the recipe once, but like, you know, I read a recipe to get proportions and techniques and flavors, but then like like if I have eight out of ten things for a recipe, I'm not gonna go to the store and like you know right. get it. I'm gonna figure it you know, what what's that flavor or what's that doing in the recipe? Let's what do I have? Have you ever seen Iron Chef? You know, I, I've seen like bits of it, but like like the Japanese one. I don't know, yeah, like, yeah. Because I, I remember when I, I watched it in college, um, and I remember like my my friend was like obsessed with it, and he's he's what was interesting was he was uh, he wanted to be a video game developer, and he was always angry that no one saw video games as like artistic, because to him, especially like video games aren't um, they're not like. They're not just games. They're something that can be world. extreme. Yeah, exactly. It can be a world. And um, and so anyway, so he was saying he was telling me how like you know watch this and see like how creative like cooking can be. I remember being blown away because they are given one ingredient, like a main ingredient, and then they just have to come up with a whole course of uh, multiple courses of food. Yeah, I know. know and I guess I, I you know I, I imagine when I start to think about it, the way I might think about flavors or building a flavor. Right. Like is probably similar to how, you know, an artist might think about, you know, building colors in a painting or a composition. Mm -hmm. It's like flavor is cool because it's it's there there's there's texture and there's time. 
yeah. right? Not not time the spice, which there may be, but like <laughs> the, the the time it takes for flavors to move through your tongue as you as you chew something, what hits you in the beginning, what wow. gets you when you're chewing, and then what are you left with? And like when you're developing a sausage, like that's what we're thinking about. It's like, you know, how is this how are these spices gonna play? What's the last flavor that's gonna be on your tongue? Um, and wow. that's something that you know, I'm going to toot my own horn. You know, I never had any training in this, but like, I feel like I have a good palate. I've always loved to eat. I've mm. always loved meat and I've always enjoyed cooking. And like, I feel like I'm at a point now where like, I have like a good deal of confidence in my palate and my ability to like put something together and like be really proud of it. Like some of the sausages we made last year, one of them in particular, I was like, this is the best product I have ever made. Wow. And ironically, not ironic, this is not ironic, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it uses a lot of fresh herbs. So obviously we can't really make it regularly because it's impossible to get the herbs checked properly right. for kashrut. And like I'm using a ton of fresh mint. And sometimes the rabbis are like, no, the mint's not kosher today. Uh, really? Well, in fact, the mint is kosher every day. It's <laughs> that you don't want to clean it. <laughs> but no, it's stuff like that. So it's like, it's, it's wow. you know, those kinds of challenges. Um you really uh, putting the rabbis over the coals today. I, I didn't good. say rabbis. Oh, did, did you? The no, no. I said the. I felt the like other, you said rabbis. No, I, I said the, the, no. It's it's good we didn't record this. I I, <laughs> I was talking about the the USDA inspectors. Yes, it was them. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean it's kosher. You know, like there's standards. Wanna, what's their names? These guys. I, I don't know them. Okay. I don't know rabbis. That must have been somebody else. The previous podcast. Can we, next, next question, please. <laughs> um. Wow. Okay. That's, that's really cool. I mean, I actually think cooking is really fascinating because it's, it's like, it's a sense, right? That we're not almost, I mean, basically any other art form we'll never use. Whereas like writing, sometimes you can read it to people. So there's auditory aspect of, even if you're a writer, you can. Oh, but you just share food. I mean. Right. No, but that's what, what I'm saying is that there's no other art form that really utilizes the sense of taste. Ah, uh, I see what you mean. And smell, actually. Taste and smell. I mean, well, some some art forms utilize smell, right? Hmm. Can like we call what? the or and, and didn't they rub feces on a picture of the oh, Madonna like twenty years ago? Giuliani uh, didn't like that. So you're saying like some yeah exactly. Yeah, you but could like be, you know but an exhibit a sensory exhibit yeah. is going to have smell or like a haunted right. house you know like for kids that's art in that's a way. Interesting. It's, yeah. an, it's an experience at least. Right. No, life that's, is art. That's oh here we go. <laughs> we're um, we're going to end the podcast right um, now. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we're done. We got it. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's it's so I love that. And I, I I'm but I think I actually am really curious. So I'm curious. Okay, I have so many I have multiple questions here so I'm going to um I guess what do you what process do you go through when you're like let's say coming up with a sausage or something like what what make what inspires you to like even create something making new? money? <laughs> no, I mean, no, well, I, I do love you know, I mean, that. I don't, I'm not even inspired by making money. I want to make a living. Yeah, this is what I this this in some ways, this is the only way I know how to make a living. Right. Like, I, I always say, I mean, this is this is not that kind of interview, but like when I'm interviewed, I so often have the line, like, if I knew what I know now about the kosher meat business, mm -hmm. I never would have started the business. <laughs> but at the same time, I cannot imagine what I'd rather be doing than what I do. I hear, I think most people that love what they do say almost that exact sentence. They I've probably heard. got it from me. <laughs> they probably heard <laughs> my, no, 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 for sure. But that, that, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you can never know what you're getting into, but like, yeah. I don't know what else I'd rather do. So, but what motivates me, especially with new products, um, I love to eat, mm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're looking for new things. Yeah, I want. I want the flavor. It's funny. I'm like. I'm one of. I'm one of like probably three guys. And mm -hmm. I don't say guys in a sexist way, but 
literally three guys no i mean three people uh-huh. it's just let's even just move on it's it's, it's 2018 <laughs> i'm one of like three or four people who are kind of like in the space that i'm in in the kosher food world oh i see okay. who has actually pretty much kept kosher their whole life like my off the derech was like eating in vegetarian places in college or mm-hmm. like you know eating vegetarian food maybe in a not kosher kitchen mm-hmm. You know, so I like, I really miss some boats. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of flavors and palettes I could have been exposed to. And I feel like, but I feel like a lot of the people who are pushing the envelope in kosher, like their goal is to bring flavors that the kosher consumer can't have to kosher. Like you can't have pork anymore. So what can we do that's close to that? Or Mm. a charcuterie that doesn't exist in kosher. Let's make like, that's, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I I enjoy eating those foods. Cause I just, did I say I love to eat? (laughs) But, um, but for me, it's not like, I'm not trying, I'm not motivated to like give people something they, they they don't have though. Obviously that is what I do on some level. Like my product is very unique and it's something that people want and there's a need for it, but it's more just like, I just want to make something that's awesome. You know, like something that, 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 that makes me want to cook and eat it. Mm. You know, like I feel like it's successful when I make a product and I'm like, damn, that's good. Oh, that's all that's left. Go get another package. Like that, that, that's what I want. I want, I want, I want people to be like, to just be happy. Food, food is supposed to make us happy. Baggage around food makes me so sad. Seeing people like yell at their kids about food. I mean, yell at them to eat their vegetables fine. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. who doesn't love a good yell? But like, <laughs> like, no, but you know what I mean? Like, the, like when people make their kids anxious about food, you're not eating enough, you're eating too much, like that kind of stuff. Like food's supposed to just be joyous. Like, mm. you know, that's why we have blessings on it in Judaism. Like, you know, like food, it, it's the building blocks of our life. You are what you eat. There's nothing truer. It's like, so let's, it's, it's awesome. It's just fun. Um, so I just... Not really into acupuncture at all, but an acupuncturist once I once saw an acupuncturist. Don't mm-hmm. don't tell anybody. This is just okay. right. Just you just and me, between, man. Okay, don't thanks. Worry. It's not as good as an intimate it's... setting. Um, <laughs> but I once saw an acupuncturist, and she was, and she. I don't even know how we got her. She was like, you know, you need to cook creatively. Like that. That's what you need to do. Like, really? Like, like like you know, you need to spend more time. You're not cooking enough, but like not just like just freestyle. She was right though. Wow. But don't tell anybody I said that. She was right. <laughs> no, but it was, but it's it was, like, so it's just, it's fun. I didn't know acupuncturists can. She read my aura. She read your aura. She read my aura, I think is what it was. Wow. Yeah. I was very transparent that day. <laughs> yeah. Your aura was, at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's really cool. I, lo- I love that. You know what's so interesting about that is it reminds me actually of discussions around Jewish creativity because there's like the people who want, and again, it, it's like you're saying there's a, a value in everything, but they're kind of the people who want to bring um jewish like for example like jewish music like they want to modernize it more and or bring like non-jewish forms into it and and that actually is how you know jewish music developed but then there's also people that just want to keep it traditional and want to and i feel like you you're also definitely not that kind of company either in terms of what you're doing it's it's not like you're going out of your way to like we're, we're not, yeah, it's things. not, this is not old world flavors. Right. So it's like, I mean, they, and, and some of our flavors are, it's, it's funny. What was one of our first kind of lines when we were just selling chicken? So we started with chicken because it's easy. Making, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Making any kosher meat is like ridiculously difficult, but chicken is, is, is somewhat easier. And I had actually, I, I, I'm a chicken show. I had learned how to shech chicken. So like mm-hmm. I knew, I, I, I knew a plant. I knew the people at the plant that could help me, blah, blah, blah. But um, so we named it Sarah's Spring Chicken after my Polish grandmother because when I fed her um, one of these chickens when we were first, when I was first learning shrita and I found like a really good pastured chicken, she goes, oh, 
it tastes like spring chicken. I haven't had it since I was a child in Poland. <laughs> so we call it Sarah's spring chicken. Wow. Um, but we did have some slogan that's still like on a sticky on my desktop of my computer, like, you know, old new chicken or, or, mm. or old fashioned ch- chicken is new again or something like that. Um, you can see it was not a great slogan that didn't, <laughs> didn't stick and we've got much better slogans now. Um, but that's interesting. Yeah. Because I think that's, that's actually really cool. Cause I think, um, there's kind of like that third option, which is like neither trying to only be traditional or only be modern, but like there's some like authentic, authentic. Exactly. And I think that's, um, like, at least like when I'm doing my writing, for example, obviously you're affected by your environment and what you, sure. but is around you, but you're, I feel like there's a philosophy in Judaism that allows for this idea that we can dig into our neshama, like, and bring something out from there that is then, <laughs> you make it a face. <laughs> I didn't make a face. It must have been somebody else. <laughs> um, but I think the point being like that there's a, there's a deeper place than just the cultures that we see around us. There's also the part within us. Yeah, well, no, no, I was I was making I the face because I was trying to be funny, but it's funny because like you probably spend a lot more time thinking about the neshama than I do, which is fine. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we are in very different lines of I lines mean, I, of work. We have a site called neshamas.com. So uh, exactly <laughs> that that I've I've spent some time on. It's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's, it's so important. It's so important for people to have that outlet, especially because there's a lot. Look, there's a lot of reasons why people choose to live in. Various forms of Jewish community, many of which are quite restrictive, and some of those reasons are good. Some of those reasons are valid. Like, I'm not going to tell people they shouldn't make the choices, but, like, thank God you're providing an outlet for some of the people who are in some of those incredibly restrictive environments. And, and you mm. know, whether by choice or by circumstance, have no other outlet or can't leave, at least they're they're finding a place to be heard. It's a big deal. Yeah, that's that's a... Wow, that's like a whole discussion. That yeah, that. sorry. Anyway, where were no, we? We were talking about authenticity, traditional or new, right? right. I feel like it's like because that's lo- what you're doing. You're just coming coming up with things. Well, but I, but but I like I just I've always believed like both Judaism, but also myself. Like I'm a pragmatist, right? Mm-hmm. And like I think both of those notions are are BS. What kind of language can we use, by the way? On this, how salty can um, we be? BS is fine. Okay, great. Yeah. Like like <laughs> network, right? <laughs> Maybe cable, like, okay, like right, not, yeah. not, not, like, gonna, I mean, we're not no. HBO. My, 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 I'm sure my mother is going to listen to this. So, I mean, <laughs> okay. hi, mom. Hi, mom. Send no me an email about it. Love you. Um, no, but I, like, I'm a pragmatist, right? And like, I feel like people on both camps, like people who are, like, let's talk about the Jewish music piece, right? Because that's, that was a really good example. So, the people who like want to keep it totally traditional, like, that's idiotic. Because the <laughs> traditional, like, the tradition, like, the thing that they're saying is traditional is like what Polish aristocrats were wearing, and the Nigunim aren't yours. Mm-hmm. They're, we got them from some other culture. It's just that that culture was older. So, you think that's authentically ours. And the people who are like, you know, who want to be totally new and completely, you know, fully creative and and not moored by any of their surroundings. That's also, it's, there's no such thing. We're all, a, we're a product of our world. We're a product mm. of circumstance. Influence has been a part of Judaism, like Jewish food and Israeli food. Like what is Jewish food? There's no such thing as Jewish food. Jewish food is, 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 is kosher maybe, or kosher style food of all the places Jews have lived mm. and all the food we've taken and learned about from our neighbors who we can't eat with, God forbid, <laughs> but we can at least learn. <laughs> no, but, but not even on that. Like, so there's, let's talk about kosher meat for a second, right? Mm. So a large or at least significant proportion of the red meat animals that are slaughtered for kosher meat are not kosher because they have health, they have lung adhesions, not major health problems that would make them, that mean they're unhealthy 
mm-hmm. you know, and we're not like unloading the, the dangerous meat on the Gentiles, God forbid, mm-hmm. but we have a certain set of traditions. And if there are certain physical conditions that are relatively common in the animals, they don't meet our standards for consumption. Mm-hmm. Can anybody in their right mind think that historically Jews would just like throw away the non-kosher animals? No. You have relationships with Gentiles. Like even our food, we may not be able to drink wine with you. We may not share a meat meal with you. And we have all kinds of rules about bread and the cooking and the this and the that. But at the same time, we must have relationships with you. We are influenced by the culture around us. And to deny it is, is narishkite. Mm. Narishkite, Elad. Mm. Nonsense. That's inappropriate language. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we can edit that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you see, you see a lot of editing on this. Uh, uh, what was I going to say in terms of that? That's, yeah, that's really great. I, I think um, I think that balance, and it's it's so interesting because I think I've discussed this here before, is like that balance is also something we're always kind of struggling with as Jews in general as well. Is kind of like, what, are we 100% traditional? Are we 100% modern and and whatever and how do we balance that and all these things and i hate the term modern orthodox oh yeah i hate it so much it's interesting every morning i wake up Mm. and i wrap leather amulets around my (laughs) arms and my head because i'm an orthodox jew right ain't nothing modern about that That's interesting. It's not modern. It's inherently anti-modern. It's it's, it's magic. I mean, religion. I mean, religion is is magic. If you, I'm just, I'm not saying, God forbid, that our religion is 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 magic like Harry Potter. But like that is what religion it's is. It is a belief intangible. in it's an intangible system of rules that like may or may not have a logic, but it's not something that you can prove or see like magic. And you can even say it's real, you know, because like in the Harry Potter world, magic is real because it exists in that world. So and religion really exists certainly, but um. There's nothing modern about my Orthodox Judaism. Mm. I have a cell phone. Mm. I use a computer. I drive a car. I, 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 I work in it. I don't work. I actually work mostly in the Jewish world. But I, like, I interact with the secular world around me. That is modern. But like the notion that my, like, and granted, you know, I understand why the term modern orthodox is used. Mm. My orthodoxy is very different than yeshivish orthodoxy or ultra-Orthodoxy or Haredi or Hasidim. Like, so I get it. I understand that like, yeah, I'm wearing a plaid shirt and jeans. So great, call me modern Orthodox. And now we, we get it and, and it's much simpler. But I just think it's a bad term because, you know, like we wear magic boxes. We generally mutilate our children. We <laughs> observe the most insane laws on the Sabbath. I love them all. Don't get me wrong. And I gladly do those things to my family and my children. Like, it's great. Right. But it's not modern. Just don't say it's modern. It's in interesting. Torah Umada, is it? Is it yeah. Is that modern or is that just like, okay, now we have science. Like, let's pay attention. Rambam, was he modern orthodox? He was a doctor. I, uh, I'm sure I was, people hated him for it. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was reading uh, an essay by Jonathan Sachs, just like, yeah, it was on Pesach because uh, it was from like his Haggadah or whatever he has, like this part with the essays. And he mentioned that he prefers the term Torah Uchachma. Yes. Because he was saying like, that Torah Mata, there's not really any basis for that, like in terms of a ter- the term. And he's saying like Chachma is like what we have learned along the way, like what we've gained along the way and, and, and all that stuff. And that applies just That's as part. much to things that aren't it's not modern. Science. Yeah, or aren't right? science. It's just right, saying we science exactly. either, yeah. Well, what about, right. I mean, what we talk about, you know, I don't say liberal, like liberal conservative, but it's like liberal democracy, mm-hmm. like Locke and like, you know, the founders and like 1800s, you know, 1700s, like those notions of liberalism that, you know, democracy, 
that that's chachma. Those were in some ways new thing. Like that is a very different democracy than ancient Greece. That is, you know, mm-hmm. that is progress in the course of the world. And and we as Jews, you know, are now now have have bought into and and and, and use those structures. And like mm-hmm. we think that that's like you know normal. But that that's chachma. That's like you know saying that yes, our Judaism can adapt in ways. Right. Right, exactly. That's it. So that's uh, that's interesting. I, I guess it's funny because also some people complain about the term orthodoxy too, because they're like, "Well, does that?" It's kind of the other side of it, like, which is, are we just trying to preserve things? Or are we just? Yeah. I'm curious what you think about that. Oh, we do complain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one thing we have. Yeah, down. that's that's one thing we Jews have down. That's, oh man, fair enough. Um, can you repeat the question? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> seriously, I'm not sure I quite. No, my point being like, we're saying we're mo- like, cause orthodoxy, the term orthodoxy came about because of holding on people yes, fighting the pushback, the traditional the reform, form of Judaism or, yeah, or whatever. So like that, even that, like some people just say, Oh, I just want to be called Jewish and, and all these things. You know, it's, I, 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 you, I think yeah. you're right that you can make the same argument. Um, yeah, I mean, but, I don't know, but just, it's, look, la- it's, it's it's hard because like we love to rail against labels. Don't label me. Right, don't exactly. put me in a box, Elad. <laughs> don't do it. But they're also useful, right? Like, it's funny because I started calling myself modern orthodox more as <laughs> like a form of uh, self defense yeah. at a time when like you know if people saw me as chabad, then I thought. You know, it was creating problems for me. So, like, yeah. I was just like, "Oh, modern orthodox." And I'll get, let me give you, you some know. tips later about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're doing you great. Do Love it. You're doing great. Um, but no, it's funny because, like, I think that's a lot of times how labels come about. Like, if you think about orthodoxy, it came about as everything a form is of in defense, opposition. You know? Right. Exactly. Well, that's. I mean, that's how we define ourselves. Right. It's, it's by uh, what we don't do. Right. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think. And it, it's it's much harder and maybe even problematic to come up to have the labels for what we are because in a way that constricts us, it forces us to, in a way, maybe it's even a good thing. I think, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's like on some level it is what it is. It's right. just like, you know, like I am part of this community, but now we are all, we're totally defined by what we're not. Who is this community? Well, we're the community that doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that, you know, like that. it's, it's, it's you know, so many of the things that we do that we think are po- things that we do that are positive are actually things that we don't do or can, can just as much be like, yeah. you know, no, I eat organic foods. No, you don't eat conventional foods. Like, you know, like there's no, right. you're still, you're still in, in opposition when you're defining yourself that way. Cause obviously there's no other ways to define yourself besides organic, orthodox and Chabad. <laughs> right, this is the main groups of people in the, wor- in the world. In the world we live in, maybe. That's <laughs> wow, that was great. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting, and it's funny because I think that actually brings up like issues that, like, I know that creatives struggle with a lot, and especially religious creatives, because I think like um, I remember Hevria reached a point where we we started off with like one of our principles being like that we're positive and not negative right and then we started writing about like like let's say for example um someone on our site or even like a guest writer or whatever was like abused and they want to write about that right so is that negative writing to write about an experience like that um and obviously i think very often it's not because it can uplift people it can take people to a higher level it can, it can help free, people it can feel free less people alone who've been right exactly so 
the question is, what does that mean, positive, negative? And, and I remember we, we ended up having a discussion about that, and we decided together that we would use the word productive instead of um, positive, because I think that very often we, when we're so committed to this idea of like, um, we're only creating, we're never destroy like, you know, what does it really mean? And I think... And you have to destroy sometimes to create... Right. Right, exactly. And and then and sometimes I mean I, like the very process of creativity is like there's a conflict involved. Which actually go takes us back to the beginning of our discussion about problem solving. Can we, oh, cuz <laughs> I think the, while we were talking about can we can we can we can we talk about the opposition thing and the the, the pro and con and the term yeah no? Wait, what? Yeah, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. What is it? The, the term yeah no? You know how people do like yeah. say something that I agree with, right? Uh Grow and behold is awesome. Yeah, no, but like seriously, let me tell you something else too. I feel like it's it's a term that people, you know, our age. I don't want to use. That Did name. I say yeah? No, no, you didn't. Oh, so you didn't. But we were talking about opposition and and and, okay. and defining ourselves. And I don't. It's just I've always been. It, yeah. Not a tangent we need to go down. No, no let's do it. I'm, cu- I'm no, curious we, what you mean. You haven't heard the terms. It might make it hard to have this conversation. But I just feel like there is this. Way it's like I agree with you, and I want to add something more. So I'll say, yeah, no, yeah, oh, you know, it's like it's like an agreement. But then why are you saying no? It doesn't make sense. But <laughs> I use it a lot, and I feel like just other people that you know, I don't know, my age cohort or whatever, or my my background, it use it too. And I I thought it might be fun to explore with you. Let's but do it. well, I don't know that we can explore it much further if if, That's if, it? if you're not well, if well, you're not familiar it, with it. Is it like an act, like is what frustrates you about that? Is it like it's like an act of not listening? Like, no, it doesn't frustrate me. Oh, I'm just curious about it. I just I find it like kind of interesting and hilarious that to say something that doesn't make sense but have it work. Oh, so just the term, yeah, the term, no. yeah, no, yeah. It, 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 if I had gotten it 30 seconds earlier, right <laughs> after, it, it would have fit better in the conversation. You'll edit this out too. It's all good. This is all yeah, good. This is all. Good. This is going to be like a five minute yeah, podcast. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to take it down. Just the bullet points. <laughs> get the commercial. You better get the commercial in. We're gonna we're gonna have the commercial. And just just loop that. Now. Actually, can, can we loop that for an hour? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. This Appreciate is it. none of this. This is no, this could not make a, a regular like a, a podcast. We're gonna, no. we're not going to look professional. No, they don't want to listen to this. They just want to listen to my 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 30 second on loop for an that's, hour. I that's think. true. I that's think. true. As long as you just give me the you know the bucket of money afterwards. Not a problem. Not <laughs> okay. a problem. You just got buckets of money. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean good. it's in the car. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But I got it. Uh good to know. Got buckets of meat. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, that's it's, it's, I mean it's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hmm. Where was I go? Oh, so I, I was know. saying that oh right, this idea that oh of problem solving that that it just was fascinating to me how I was like in every piece of like, like definitely with writing, I think, but I think with any kind of art, like that there has to be a conflict for it to be interesting. Um, and so there has to be some form of destruction because you're, you're taking something uh, that's problematic and you're, you have to rise above it. And so that means like that the problem has to be to a certain extent, like to, in a certain way destroyed. Well, um, so what about the process of like, you know, like the feedback process and the honing and the editing process, right? Like oh, that's, that's got to be brutal. No, I mean, that's actually what's fascinating about that. There's like, See, one, there we go. No, there you, did, you did it. You didn't say Yano, yeah, but you were like, no, but you were agreeing with me. Did I say no? You did. You said, oh, you, that wow. was, that's the Yano. Yeah, that's the Yano. Yeah, <laughs> you could have said Yano yeah, and it would have worked. Wow. Sorry, carry on. Destructive right. editing. I'm gonna, now right. this is all I'm going to th- think about. No, <laughs> but you were agreeing with me. Right, I know. I'm going to... Did I just do it again? No, no you no. said that I was said an I, I know. know. But the other one was not. The other one was definitely a, a, a no, but in agreement. Okay. I love it. Great. Okay. I'm, I wasn't making, I wasn't, I see, I wasn't making it all up. Anyway. Okay, we got to cut that editing. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> speaking of editing. Yeah. So, 
the one of the most famous lines in terms of uh, writing is "Kill your darlings," like which is such a dramatic way of well, putting it. But that's well, how you it feels people to are quite writer. dramatic. Yeah, you people. That's true. Us people, where it really feels like I wrote this thing. I put my heart and soul into it. It sucks. And y- too long. Yeah, this that it's, or even actually, the truth is, why do we call it darlings? Because it's good, but it doesn't. It still doesn't work. Like even if you love it. It's still it can not still not work. It does, yeah, and um, it's really interesting because I've only recently started going from blogging into writing, like for publications, because I hate that process. I just want to be in the creative process, and now I'm dealing with like editors, and it's very hard for me. Um, <laughs> <and> Sorry, <laughs> that's great though. It's good. Look, yeah, I, no, but I think that's the point. Is y- yeah, no, you. I see there. I tell oh Siri. my gosh. See, right? that be- <laughs> we say it. I'm telling you, it's something that our generation says. What the heck? What is it about? That's so weird. What's even weirder? And you is- don't even know it. That's crazy. Okay. I feel like I can't say yeah. anything. It's, it's all right. We're, <laughs> we're going to sit in silence for the rest of the podcast now. Just so we don't say yeah, no, again. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's used in conversation. Like, I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to add something to that as well. Mm. Which is a great way to converse. You know, it's great. To, I, uh, you know, millennial conversation can be great. Right. We're such great communicators. Well, maybe what we're doing is we're destroying. And I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure I'm millennial, though, for the record. You're. I think you're just a little like a, like a year older. Than I'm a year older than millennials, or something like that. You're. Oh, there is a term for that. I think. Like, I forgot what it is. I had Old AIM. Millennial. Was that AIM? AI. Oh, you had AIM. I had AIM. Okay. Dial-up internet. Right. Um, but. Not many cell phones in high school. And like, even if they were cell phones with text messaging, it wasn't until like senior year that we would actually use them to communicate with each other as like a social tool as opposed to just a functional tool. I think I only started using cell phones once I got to college. I went away for high school my freshman year. So that was one of like, I I got a cell phone. I had an Ericsson Mm. cell phone. Ericsson. Ericsson. You remember? Yeah. You remember that company? Like two S's or something. It was like, it's one of those like, Little flip phones with like a really thin flip out part. It's pretty, yeah. This is good. Those were the days. <laughs> Those were the days. Simpler days. Very interesting. Yeah, no? Yeah, no. <laughs> I have nothing to add to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, what was I saying? That problem solving, right? So, I feel like that's connected to what you were talking about earlier about. Yeah, you have there's to, a conflict. That's what to, happens, right? When we are faced with a problem, the, the logic of the situation isn't working. Like yeah. it's not. We've got. If I just do what I'm always going to do, I will fail. It won't right. work. Right. Yeah. So break it down. The way you know that, that your darling, your you know, so this is from my operational crew. Your darling production system and your darling fulfillment system right. is great. That's great. But right. when there's a snowstorm two weeks before Pesach, <laughs> and you know we ran out of this, and the shipping can't and it can't get here because that, like, I don't care what your system is. Mm. Which orders have to leave today? Break the system to get those orders out the door. Wow. You know, and that's a, it's a process. And some people, it's harder for some people than others. Hmm. Yeah. I'm curious for you, like, I feel like entrepreneurs go through, like, different stages, right? Like, so. There's misery. There's misery. Um, <laughs> depression. The five stages of grief. Yeah. Whatever it similar. is. Similar. Five, yeah. sta- five stages of entrepreneurship. entrepreneurship. Yeah, like, and I think like the beginning of it is so it is so creative. I think, and then you reach a point where it's less so, or you have to start building those systems. Like right now, you're talking about the situation where it's you've created the systems, mm-hmm. but like, was that 
uh, difficult for you? Is it like which part did you? I you know. Because I think there's the side of like the cooking that we were talking about. But there's okay, also- look, I, I think one of the one of the, and I'm not, I, I don't I, you know, whatever. people you know me. I have an ego. You have <laughs> really? to. I mean, I keep it. I keep it in check beautifully. <laughs> yeah. No, and no, but on, seriously though, to be an entrepreneur, I think you like part of the entrepreneurial character set is the ability to do a bunch of different things. Mm. I, you know, and you know, the jack of all trades, master of none. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I can start a kosher meat business and, you know, with my wife, build a wonderful brand and run a warehouse and develop operational systems and inventory systems. But like, you know, we did hit a point, I don't know if it was three, four years in where like I hired an operations manager Hmm. and he not just ran, but like, but brought our operation to a very different and a better place. And he was incredibly rigid and he left us, you know, he moved to a different job. Um, and that was fine. And the the next person who came along was actually way less rigid, hmm. which was perfect for where we are now. No. But like we needed that because like the way like the way I was running an operation, I don't want to call it fast and loose, but it was like I had so many other things going on. I'm not necessarily an operations guy inherently. Like I can I, right. I can put together a good production line. I can I can come down and, and I do. My guys will invite me down to come look at the look at the production floor. You know, can you, is there a way we can do this better? Like I can think that way. But I'm not. But 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 it's not necessarily, you know, my strength. And if I'm doing that, I, like we might not have insurance because somebody didn't pay the bill. You know, like that. That's that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. And then recognizing, wait, oh wait, that's the guy with the skill set we need now, or that's the woman with the skill set we need tomorrow. Like get her in, or oh, that skill set that we thought we needed, actually, she is not the right skill set. She's the right ski set, and you've got to go, and you've got to come in now. Like, uh-huh. yeah, that's hard. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. So, like, do you, are you starting to get into, like, I feel like now you're kind of at the stage where it's, you're definitely not at, like, startup stage anymore, right? Only just out of it. We're, t- we're like, we're, yeah. like, we're, we're trying to get out of awkward teenager years to become a hot teenager. <laughs> I want to I be, like, the cool hot teenager. The cool. I feel like you guys are pretty No, I pretty think hot. we're getting there. I think we're getting there. Yeah. Um, but, but, no, but, but, yeah, no. But as a business, it's, um, <laughs> it's. Is that, is that transition hard for you? Yes. Yeah. So, oh man, you're gonna like this. <laughs> so there's a couple things, and some of it has to do with you know just just growth of the business. But like so, so I started this business about eight years ago. It'll be eight years this summer. Um, I think I have still done every job in the company. Like I've driven the trucks, I've answered mm-hmm. the phones, I packed the orders. Which is good because it's always it's always good to hire people to do something you know how to do. So when they're sick, you can do it, and you can know that they're not BSing you. But um, I, I like to be involved. My uh, some of my crew might might call Mike in micromanagement. Um, I, I I I just call it being attentive. Um, <laughs> I identify with all you're saying, by the way. It's so funny. So yeah. So this you know for 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 basically for eight years. Now, for seven and a half years, every email that was sent to info at growandbehold.com, info at growandbehold.com, info at growandbehold.com. Um, <laughs> but no, but every, eight, eight, eight. <laughs> every email that was sent to Grow and Behold, to our, to our customer, to our, you know, to our public-facing email address, went through my inbox. Oh, wow. And this is even when, this, I mean, I'm, t- I'm talking about including the time when we had full-time customer service staff. Mm-hmm. And like, why, why was I doing that? 
couple of reasons to make sure they're answering the questions correctly because it's it's such a complicated business that there are certainly even now there are things that there are questions I could ask that my crew doesn't know the answer to they have to ask me obscure questions about cuts of meat you know do you have this hashgacha why not um you know is there granulated garlic in this sausage you know, powdered garlic is okay. Like, cra- like crazy questions that mm-hmm. they need me on. So like if I was seeing that stuff come through my invoice on my phone alerts, I could respond quickly. I could also get in their way. I could also drive them crazy. And I could also not focus and not mm-hmm. so often do some of the big things because I couldn't. So, so um, sometime in the turn of this year, I took the info emails out of my inbox. I can still see them. I still, I still look at them every couple hours because I need. I need the, the other reason I was doing this because I need to have the feel of the business. Part of, of being a good mm-hmm. business person is you've got to understand the rhythms, the time, the operation. The other thing for for eight years, every receipt, every order, hmm. you know, we get an email with every order, and I also had those alerts set up, and I turned those off on Sunday of this week, and it's amazing. <laughs> and in fact, the orders still come in. <laughs> people still order, even if I'm not watching. Wow. And I, I check, you know, like I, I look a few times a day when I'm at my, you know, when I'm at my desk in my inbox, I see the alerts and, I, and then I look at them. If I, but, but then I'm already in my email. I'm already looking at something. But I find like it's easier to, easier to focus, easier to have a meeting. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, you know, why I'm an idiot. Why didn't I do this four years ago? Right. Like I, maybe, maybe the last next, the last four years would have been totally different. My business would be mega successful and I'd be like Zen and totally happy. <laughs> and on the other hand, like, you know, everything's at the right time. And like, you know, yeah. in, in some ways I could only do that when my crew was finally in the place where I could trust them to handle it, yeah. which, which they are now too. Um, but I don't know how we got to that. Because I was talking about going from startup to not yeah, startup. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's how we got there. So, like, so now we are getting to that place where, like, I have, I have, a, I have a management team. We have monthly managers meetings where mm-hmm. you know, I've got warehouse manager, logistics manager, customer service manager, production manager, mm-hmm. um, and you know, like I was. I mean, I say this a lot, but it's it's just super complicated to make kosher meat and then try and make it ethical and then try and make it environmental, and it's like it's just crazy because we're swimming up we're swimming upstream. The meat industry and the kosher industry and you know those are the industries, but those two industries are not built for a small producer doing what we're doing. Now we're making it work, but it's swimming upstream in many ways. So it takes time to train people to really get it. It's complicated. The deadlines, the dry ice, the logistics, the kashrut, the hashgacha, the cuts, everything. It's complicated, complicated, complicated. But we're moving, like, I feel like now we're hitting those kind of teenage years where, like, I can trust them. They get it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're doing it, They're and they're good teenagers. They're not like the kind of teenagers that we probably were. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they're asking for help when they need it. They also want to do it on their own. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a really cool thing. And it's so disconcerting though. <laughs> like the last, like the week before Pesach, not the week before that, the week before that was completely crazy, especially because the snowstorms, thank God we had, we had tons of orders, but like the last week before Pesach, it's always a little bit of a wind down, but like mm-hmm. I had nothing to do. <laughs> Like the buying clubs left the week before. The, the like it's, it's it's the last of the orders. Like my my crew is still working hard. They're still doing customer service. They're not they're not working forty hours overtime anymore. They're you know a couple hours overtime. But like all of a sudden, I'm like I'm paying bills on time again. I'm starting to think strategically again. And it's like 
you know, and like part of being the boss and part of being a small bit, like, especially it's also a seasonal business. So there's never, like, it's not possible for us to afford enough labor mm. year round for the Passover season. It's, you always work overtime. You always bring in temporary help. And like the boss always has to help if somebody's sick or there's a snowstorm or whatever. But like, even when it's busy and things are going well, they don't need me in the same way. And I don't know if it's like, it's maybe it's what empty nesters feel like or something, but it's like, it's a little bit disconcerting and I have to like, you know, same thing with our website. We launched a new website and you know, you saw me during the, during the course of the year, you know, or the eight month that, that terrible, difficult process was. And like, I have never birthed a kid, but my wife's done three (laughs) and I think it's a pretty similar process. (laughs) Should we ask her? Um, (laughs) No, but that's what's so interesting. Like you're describing, I mean, it's. That was an incredibly creative process. But it's not, it's not just like which colors look good. It's a creative and a technical process. UX, good user experience, constrained by the technology. And then constrained by the out of the box software as a service company that supplies the brains of our website. Plus the creatives. Hmm? I mean, collaboration also So much collaboration. Yeah, it's a whole different kind of creativity. Um, yeah. But anyway, so 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 yeah. we are definitely you know hitting that point in the business where you know they're really they're, they're, my my management team is really kind of coming up. I feel like it was it was a really good managers meeting today, um, and I feel like you know Anna and I have been doing a lot of work over the years of like what is our company culture because it's very hard because we we produce red meat. In Baltimore, our warehouse is in the Bronx. Our customer service manager is in Buffalo, and her employee and the customer service team is in Elmira and Seattle because they, you know, they work they work from home. So like every, things are fragmented. We produce in four different facilities. So I'm on the road constantly. So there's no water cooler, right? So how do we build a culture hmm. when when we like we both work in the digital world because we communicate digitally, we sell digitally, but we also work in the most physical world of producing food, hmm. like. The other way I can describe it to is all I do is move things, animals to the slaughterhouse, you know, slaughterhouse to the meat plant, meat plant to the warehouse, warehouse to your door. My whole life, all it's just moving things, feed to the animals, just moving stuff around. Um, so, you know, we're, so anyway, so the managers are, are, are you know, getting and I feel like we're, we're starting to have a, a, a company culture that we've been working on and is it's such a hard thing to like put your finger on it and is it working and is it, and are they getting it and is it hitting? And I feel like, like, like one, like I felt like at the manager's meeting we had today that we're starting to get there and it's starting like the work that Anna and I have been putting into like, what is the kind of company we want to have? What are, and it's not just like the silly, not silly even it's important, but it's not even just like the simple stuff. Like what are the company values? We're just like, just really, what are the, what are the, how do we communicate the style of communication? You know, my, um, you know, my guys in the warehouse, they have petty cash, right? They need cash for the drivers, for the, for the guests. They have to keep track and they send me, the, you know, the expense reports. And like, you know, I saw last week's like birthday breakfast for Jose. I never, it was 10 bucks, uh, but I didn't authorize it. Nobody asked me and I wrote back and I was like, birthday breakfast for Jose. Awesome. And the response I got was like, yeah, we're growing behold. Duh. Mm. And it's like, yes, yes, <laughs> that's it. They're getting it. That's pretty cool. Wow. That's awesome. I, it's cool. Cause I was. I was kind of like, um, expect, I don't know what I was expecting, but I think I was kind of expecting, oh, it, it's hard to like, but it actually sounds like you're had uh, like a lot of positive experiences. Oh, but it, no, it, it, it's That's, all, it's, it, it's very hard for me to not micromanage that. Right. And okay, get so, but you're it, saying it, once, once you're able to like, as though, I'm getting there, I'm yeah. so you start to see things right. and then like, and realize, and also, but also just like the ability, like the ability for me to think creatively again. And like, I'm pretty excited about the new products I'm working on wow. that I've been tr- wanting to, like I've had some ideas in my head of new products yeah. 
And in fact, I have two new products arriving at the warehouse tomorrow. Nice. But it, and it's not just being creative, though. It's also relationships and logistics, right? Like, you know, <coughs> my chicken plant is the David Elliott poultry plant in Scranton. Such mensches, family business, awesome people. I learned Shlita at the plant, at, at their plant and in Crown Heights with my Rebbe, but who was working at the plant. So I spent a lot of time at the plant. I know the owners, um, two brothers, you know, you know, older, you know, and their kids though are our age, you know, and they're in their thirties and, and their, their kids came into the business a few years ago and like brought new life into their fathers. It's so cool. It's also mm-hmm. nice for me to have peers also in the meat business who are my age. Cause when I started, it was like me and like <coughs> Jewish men in their fifties. Mm. But, um, so like I, I'm launching these two new cuts of chicken. We're gonna have a spatchcocked chicken, which is the chicken with the backbone cut out. So mm. you can split it and cook it on the grill. It cooks faster. And then the other one is like, it's not really a new product. It's just like a new packaging scheme. Like we're going to sell half a chicken in eighths because, you know, it's, we, people like it. I'm not going to tell that whole story, but it's going to be a good product. But like, yeah, I have to be creative. Like, how are we going to cut it? What do people want? Like, how are they going to use it? We have to have recipes ready for them to use this stuff, all that jazz. Um, but. There's logistics, right? Like I'm not, like the, the plant. God bless them. They don't like they, I can't bring chickens in the month before Pesach and the month before Rosh Hashanah. So we have to work all, just because they're so busy with their own production, they can't bring in my chickens. Especially because my chickens' production is way more complicated than their usual. Like they're a big, not even that big, but they're like you know, they're big and they're small. Like it's still a big, you know, it's a, it's, it's a plant with 80 employees or 100 employees, maybe 60, but I think it's closer to 80 to 100. But um, like. My production, it's like, you know, I bring in, they, they can do about 15,000 chickens a day, but I'll bring in, you know, 1,500 chickens, you know, every, you know, every week or something like that. Um, so, and my productions, we do a lot of retail cutting, vacuum packing, labeling. It's just very detailed because I sell a high-end product. So, you know, you know, the month before Yuntiv, they can't deal with it because they just have so much volume on their own. But that means that, like, I have to plan my inventory really carefully because I can't, oh, I'm out of one cut. Two weeks before Yantiv, well, too bad. I don't have any chickens. My chicken, like, I don't have chickens ready to shecht. So the week after Yantiv is when so I, we shechted chickens this morning. So I had to say to the plant, I was like, guys, so in addition to the fact that I'm sold out of my most labor-intensive cuts, because Baruch Hashem, thank God, we had a very good Pesach season, um, I also have these two new cuts I need you to do, and I'm sold out of things, so I need you to shecht the chickens Thursday morning and have these products delivered to me in the Bronx Friday morning. And that's like a tall order. Usually, like, we shecht on Thursday, they pack Thursday, Friday, freeze over the weekend, deliver on Tuesday. But, like, I'm sold out of some stuff, and I have new products, and my sales cycle starts on Sunday. And so I have to understand the logistical process of the production of the plant. Which size pouches on the vacuum machine do which cuts go into so I can design a packing list of what they're going to make of these, from these 1,200 chickens that they can have a production flow they don't have to change the machines four times. Um, so like, there's just all this give and take about like, I have to think creatively in that way, but I also have to have relationships with them because if they, if they didn't like me hmm. and why do they like me? Because I work with them. Like, and I was talking with like, with, you know, with, with one of the, one of the sons who's my age. And I was like, you know, and I was saying, I'm like, I'm really sorry to give you this kind of pack sheet. And just in general, I don't like it like, cause usually like I want them to do a lot of boning today cause the chickens are big, make a lot of fillets. And next week we'll do a lot of this just to like, there's ways to batch the production to just make it easier. I can't do that today cause I'm out of so many different things, 
But I said, it's like, look, this is a give and take. Like you guys asked me not to come in, like not to bring chickens the month before Yuntiv, which I do, which means that you need to accommodate me the week after Yuntiv and like, you know, and, and bust your butts to, to get my cuts. And I, and I got a call at, at quarter to five, you know, as I'm running out from him saying, Natalia, I just wanted to let you know, we got everything, on, every, everything got done except for the chicken feet and the thin cut press fillets. Both of those we knew were just, just because of the production cycle on those two cuts, there's no way to get those shipped the next day. Mm. But they, but they did it. They made, they made the effort. They, they planned ahead of time too. Like you would not think the guys who run the slaughterhouse would be creative, but your dad knows they are. <laughs> your dad knows. Well, dad knows. My dad knows. You know, because they had to like look at my cut sheet and then go talk to the guys who run the, who actually the foreman and be like, well, this is what Naftali needs. You know, and, and we got to do it because you know, because he's our customer and you know he does this for us, so we do this for him. I love it. so it's stuff so fascinating because it's like you're really getting into the you know no pun intended like the guts of of how creativity works in terms of like just all these mechanics that we have to work through and we have to think through and we have to this and we have to that and relationships and you know a lot of times people don't even realize that because creativity is one of these things that we tend to think of as this lone artist thing whatever how much relationships are involved in that and you have no relationships who's going to be your editor yeah, exactly. That's no joke. Yeah, no, for sure. It's 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 actually. Um... Speaking of guts, so we stopped at so there's the chicken the slaughterhouse <laughs> yeah. is in Scranton. Uh-huh. I grew up in Rochester, so we mm-hmm. passed by Scranton on the way to Rochester. Mm-hmm. So we stopped on the way for Pesach with the kids mm. and Joe, my five year old. I, I got to give him a tour of the chicken plant. Oh, Speaking really? of guts, it was it was, it was pretty <laughs> fun. So I got like pictures of him driving the forklift. Oh yeah, yeah, it's okay. pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well. We're basically out of time. Unless you want to, you want to, you want to do some more plug. I, I probably again? should, or I'll Let's get in trouble. It. So, uh, <laughs> gr- grow and behold foods. www.growandbehold.com. That's all spelled out. Grow a n d behold b e h o l d. Kosher pastured meats, no antibiotics, no hormones. Shipped nationwide, delivered right to your door. You've never had meat this good. We look forward to feeding you soon. I got nothing after that. That was perfect. Love it. Hey, love you. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Take it easy, brother. Thank you for listening to HivriaCast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hivria.com or facebook.com slash hivriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City. And the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. Oh,